This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, and Grace and Truth Living hosted a track called Women's Discipleship. As you know, memorizing scripture is an important part of discipleship. Well, Joanne Kraft from Grace and Truth Living, who facilitated this track, put together a nifty PDF download of 42 scriptures, and these are available to you for free through discipleship.org. And what's great is that you can just print them off anywhere in the world. This PDF is available for download through discipleship.org slash grace and truth. So go online and download their free PDF at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. Grace and truth is one word, by the way. Now here's the track session for Grace and Truth Living. So I want to start with telling y'all that I had a major mom fail this morning. So um, this is just life, right? So we live just like maybe 10 miles south of here. And uh, my son got into a boot yesterday because he had a little soccer collision with a goalie or something. And um, nothing serious, just a bad bruise. So usually I drive him about halfway, to, well, more than halfway to school, and then he kind of walks through the parking lot to, to get into the school because we're not far from it. We're only about four blocks. So, um, and this morning I had to leave before he had to go, and my husband had to leave before he had to go. So mom fail. So I'm going to need you to wake up early this morning because it's going to take you longer to walk to school in your boot, okay? So, and he's like, Really? Yeah, really, you're 16, and yeah, that's what's going to happen here, Um, because you decided not to get the permit so you could park on campus. So you could have taken your car to campus, but you decided not to get that permit. So um, yeah, so you just add a little time to your morning. So anyway, so he made it just fine. So and yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. So he did get an elevator pass from the nurse, and I was like, wow, so you can walk like that far to school, but you can't walk. All right, if you can get the elevator pass, then you might as well might as well take it. Hey, there's a clipboard going around, too, so you might want to find that for a drawing and for a newsletter, so they'll bring it back up to you. One is for the newsletter, so if you've already signed up for that, you don't need to worry about it, and then one is for a drawing for that, um, what is that, a wooden, it's going that side, and it'll come back up this side? Okay, perfect, yeah, it'll get back to you. Um, so the t- title of my talk is... Um, about women's business and women's discipleship. That was a little bit of a, of a play on words uh, because we have the greatest product that ever existed. We have Jesus. And we also have Jesus' great commission of, of discipleship. And so how do we sell that to people? How do we get women to really grab onto that and really, really want that, um, his lordship, and then to, to really get on board with his mission? So I started thinking about the um, business world and what it looks like to buy products that we didn't know we needed because the majority of, of women out there and men out there, they may, they may get to a point where they realize they need Jesus, but they probably haven't gotten to the point where they know, know they need discipleship or that they need to disciple others. So we have something that they don't know they need. So we had a consultant come in. Uh, and talk to us about marketing and about things like that and kind of how to get our name out there. Um, And I'll go into kind of where I'm from in a few minutes, but how to get our name out there. And I I was looking at him and I said, well, what it really boils down to me is how do you sell something people don't know they need? I go, it happens all the time, you know, with different products. We, We buy things that I didn't know I needed until I saw the commercial or I saw, you know, some friend said, oh, you've got to try this, you know. And, and I buy it, but, but how do we sell that? And he thought about it for a few minutes, and he's like, okay, let me come back to it at the end, of course, because he wanted to keep me paying attention the whole time. And, uh, and he said, trust. It's about trust. And he said, you either trust the person that's telling you about it, or you trust the brand. Um, and I thought, and, I, and that started spinning around in my head, and, and for me, I like to ask a lot of questions, and I like to put all the cards on the table and just... If somebody knows something that I need to know, then I'm probably going to to ask them a really straightforward question. So I just kind of kept peppering them with questions. And then I kept asking God the same question in my head. I'm like, okay, how does this, how, God, you're showing me something here. So I'm going to need you to like put it in plain English for me and show me some different, um, some different ways to, that this is, this is applicable. So, um, he started popping things out to me as I'm looking at commercials and as I'm, as I'm seeing things. 
you know, there are celebrities that endorse things. You know, Jillian Michaels, the fitness guru, she tells us we need to, need to buy a certain, you know, protein drink. And we're like, well, I mean, who can say that she doesn't look like that? So um, maybe if I get this protein drink, it'll make my workouts a little bit easier and it'll make, it'll make things go a little bit easier fitness-wise. Um, but if my neighbor does the same thing and says, I tried this protein drink and it's been great and you can see the results, I feel great, I look great, all those kinds of things, I have a relationship with her. So I start with trust in the, in the fact that Jillian says, yeah, I should do it. I kind of trust her because she's a celebrity and she, this is what she does for a living, right? But when my neighbor does it, because I have a personal relationship with her, it actually goes to the next level of trust and the next level where I'm like, yeah, I could actually, yeah, that makes sense. I should actually do something like that. So we'll get into a little bit deeper on, on what that looks like. Um, because we use it, we use it in everything we do and everything we buy. And that's what the consultant wanted to tell me. He said, we, we look at things emotionally. We look at things, and this is men, women, everybody, um, with the products that we buy and the, the things we go by testimonials. Who doesn't open up Facebook and you see a testimonial about everything? And so we're starting to become a little probably immune to them because we see them so often. But, but we read those testimonials. We want to hear a good story. And so, and what better story do we have than what Jesus has done in our lives, you know, and in the lives of the people around us? And so those are the things that we need to start grasping onto to actually be able to push discipleship, to be able to really get people to understand this is where we need to go. We need to go to Jesus' lordship. And if we're truly sold out to it, then the next step, step is discipleship and really making disciple makers. Um, so I want to talk more about that. Uh, today, and we're going to use the um, acrostic trust. Uh, I do some recovery teaching, and we use acrostics pretty much for everything. Uh, and so for me, that helps me remember everything. But let me give you a little background to me. Uh, I work with Bobby Harrington at Harpeth Christian Church. We are just down the road, um, about 10 miles, like I said. Uh, he's the one that has been on stage a lot with the forum. He does all the forum stuff and, and founded discipleship.org. And so I didn't come from a church background. Um, I mean, I was in church and all of that, but meaning ministry background. I came from the medical world. And so I worked in medicine for about 12 years and then got out of it for a couple years and then just started kind of slowly getting into um, church work. I volunteered for a while and then they're like, hey, so you're volunteering here a lot. So we thought maybe we'd pay you for doing what you're, you're, some of what you're doing. So I did that, and that went that 10 hours went to 20 hours, which then went to 30 hours, which then became full-time. And so I, I learned um, the good and bad and the ugly kind of thing, but I didn't know it from the other side. So I haven't seen um, the way other churches work. I've grown up kind of through the system with discipleship, um, which I'm really thankful for. Uh, but at the same time, it makes me passionate about it, um, and it's part of my DNA, and it's part of the DNA that that in all of our churches we want to really get to. Uh, and I'm assuming that all of y'all are on board because most of you are probably ministry leaders or you're working in women's ministry or you're working on staff or, um, or you're really high-end volunteers, which those of us on staff really appreciate <laughs> all the high-end volunteers that we have. Um, so if you're one of those, you're even more appreciated than honestly the staff. So, um, but that's where we're trying to get to. And so there's lots of different methods, and I know y'all have heard from a lot of speakers, uh, and I was able to be in and out of some of them, and, and there's lots of different methods out there, and I'm not going to pretend to have the perfect method. Uh, I am not ministry trained. Um, I'm not Bible trained, um, but this is what I do every day. Uh, and I've made a lot of mistakes, and we talk about our mistakes on staff and how we did it this way, and wow, this didn't work. Let's try this way, and how, wow, this didn't work, and let's try this way. So I want to share some of those things with you. Um, at the end, hopefully we will have time for some questions and answers. I will be here afterwards and happy to talk to anybody. And, and my email address is on the top of that, that page. Feel free to contact me. Um, it's also on our website at harpethcc.com. Um, feel free to contact me if anything I've said has been like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Um, or let me hear more. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody. Uh, the, the scriptures that I'm going to reference, we are not going to dive into them. Um, we, I am assuming you guys know pretty much all the stories that, that I'm going to reference. Um, but because I want to give you more nuts and bolts, I want to give you um, information on what we've seen works or what I've tried and worked or what I've tried and it hasn't worked. Uh, because that's kind of what um, 
I feel like the audience needs. If I was doing this to a different audience, um, we would go into a lot of the scriptural background on why we do some of the things we do, but, but I'm going to skip some of that today. All right. So our T uh, in our truth acrostic stands for truth. We have truth on our side. That's a bonus, okay? Um, you know, Scripture tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. Um, it comes to the Father except through me. Uh, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. So we have that on our side. Don't forget that. You are on a winning team, okay? Um, not everybody's ready to hear that truth, but, um, but, but that's what we have. And so we don't have to make this stuff up. We don't have to pretend that God hasn't done huge, remarkable things in all of our lives and in the lives of the women around us uh, because all the the stories are there um, in our lives if we're willing to really share them, okay? And so um, some of the things that that marketers use um, to get us to understand truth is, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Rodan and Fields. Anybody? There's, yeah, everybody. Okay, Um, good. Well, I'm not a representative for them. I know lots of reps for them. I'm sure it's wonderful products. I haven't used them, but I think they're probably really wonderful products. Um, But what they do to get us to know that they work is through little truths. They put on Facebook before, after picture, right? Everybody's seen them, I'm sure, on Facebook, before and after. Here's that dark dark circle, and now it's gone. Here's this, and now it's gone. And what they're trying to do is tell us that the product works, okay? And they're trying to give us proof that the product works. Because uh, if they didn't, we, we would just blow it away, right? We just wouldn't even, even look twice at it. But when I see somebody probably that I'm in relationship, or at least they're in relationship with somebody, I see before and after, well, yeah, you know? We've also done it with things like bleach, right? Clorox bleach. We see the grass stain on the pants in the commercial, and we see no grass stain on the pants in the commercial, right? So that's them trying to teach us what their product does and that there's truth behind what they're trying to say. So we, we look at these things, and we try to um, imagine that these are going to work for us, okay? Again, remember, though, we have truth. We have Jesus' truth. We have the gospel truth. We also have a playbook. We also have the Bible that we can actually go to and speak truth from it. So those are the things that we want to use to be able to get people to understand and to be able to trust us. Because the more that we are speaking truth to them, the more they can trust us. Okay? And remember, the way that we're selling our product is through trust. We, are getting, we need people to trust us. And it can't be a false trust. It's got to be authentic. Um, we've heard a lot of discussion about millennials this, this, um, at this thing. And, and they're talking about um, a lot of it's about authenticity. I've discipled people from the age of 22 up to 70, um, and they all want authenticity. Everybody wants it, okay? A lot of people have never experienced it before in their life, okay? And if, and if they have never experienced it, they don't know it exists, okay? There is no truth to, to, for them to be able to, to sink their teeth into. Um, if they haven't seen what Jesus can do, um, if they haven't felt it in their own life, then they're going to have trouble believing it unless they get to know you um, and they truly understand what your truth is um, so that you can start helping them see it in for themselves. So truth is a, is a big deal. Um, and when, we, uh, when we're looking at, at the truths in our own life, um, we have to share those truths. Like we can't just go, wow, a miracle happened yesterday and sit on it. Um, you won't see that. The Rodan and Fields consultants will not do that. If they see a miracle in their um, face product, if they see a truth come out that happened in their face product, it is all over Facebook. Um, it is all over everywhere. And I'm not saying you need to go, you know, put all of the small miracles that happen in your life or big ones all over Facebook, but I'm saying that you need to authentically share those with other people. Um, the truths that happen in your life, you need to share. Uh, because you'll, you'll then start being able to figure out who is it that wants it? Like, who wants to know more? Uh, because that's the other thing with, with somebody that's selling products is there's one thing to sell it, and then there's one thing to get another consultant. So their goal is to both sell the product and to get another consultant that truly believes in the product um, and is starting to catch the DNA. So the DNA that we're trying to, to pass is that Jesus is Lord and that his mission is to make disciples. And so as we're starting to share our stories, as we're starting to get into these relationships, 
we are, we're sharing those things to see who's going to start catching the vision. Who's catching the vision? Who's excited when they hear that story? Um, and that's going to start weeding it down, and we'll talk more about relationships, but that's going to be start that's going to start making your pool smaller of who it is that you're going to start really trying to feed into to uh, continue the process on, process along. Um, let's see here. Make sure I'm not skipping anything. So our next letter in our acrostic is R. And that stands for relationships. We can relay the truth. Um, we can do it kind of just, you know, anonymously on Facebook. Um, or we can do it in relationships. And I'm here to tell you relationships are what works. They take time. They're messy. Uh, you can't be in an endless number of them like you can on Facebook. Um, but it's the relationships that make the difference. Um, it is, I, I love processes and I love to, I, and I love efficiency. Like click list is the best thing that ever happened to my life. Um, right? So, um, it drove me crazy for the longest time. I kept looking for processes. I'm like, okay, I know I can get a process down here. I can do this. I can get 10 people through the system. What, how long can I get them through the system? Let me see here. Let me, you know, and, and I tried, like a lot of different systems. And depending on where they are in their personal walk, they may not be able to fit into any of the systems that we create. Okay? There are some systems that are great. Um, for certain stages of spiritual development. And if you flip on the back of your handout, um, I put what we use for our spiritual development. Um, we are making it a little bit more female-friendly. Um, we're in the process of doing that right now. <laughs> um, but, but this is what we use. And it's helpful not to label anybody, but it's helpful to know where they are so you know what expectations you can have of them. Um, and we can, if anybody wants to talk to me afterwards, or if we end up having time afterwards, I'll go through that uh, if you haven't seen it before. But depending on where they are, you know, if you have, if you have a whole group of people that have just literally been baptized and just are trying to learn all about everything they can learn about the Bible, then yeah, you can do them in a group and you can get them, get them further along. But as they get further out into it, before they truly become disciple makers, it starts to become really individual in what they need and what those relationships start looking like. So before you can, you can um, really work with somebody or, or, or be able to share this good news is you have to figure out what the relationship's going to look like. Uh, one of the things that, that popped into my mind was, you know, if, you, if you've got your Clorox bleach example again, if somebody, you know, if you if I come up to you and I go, wow, that sweater's really dingy. Here, take some Clorox, and I don't even have a relationship with you. You're like, wow, that was really offensive. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but if I'm in a relationship with you, and I was like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess. I have the best product ever that will totally help you get your kids that jelly that he just literally dribbled all over the front of him. I can totally help you guys get that out. They're going to be much more apt because we're in a relationship and because I didn't shame you into trying to get the jelly stain out of the kids' clothes. Um, I loved you. I knew you. Um, they knew me. And then I made a suggestion. Okay? That's part of relationship. And that doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen just spouting from the stage. Um, it happens in relationship. And it's messy, too. Um, the, the, uh, when we're speaking into somebody's, somebody's life, we have, to, um, we have to be intentional about that relationship. And, and we can also talk offline more about that. And actually, she's, I think Ariana spoke about that a little bit more, too. Um, those relationships look different, um, but there has to be some type of intentional plan with the relationship. So as you're getting to know people, you have to be able to figure out where they are, and maybe you figure it out along the, that, that growth spectrum, um, and figure out where the holes are. Kind of, okay, are there parts of their lives that maybe they haven't completely surrendered? Um, are there parts that they can that they may need that may need help in? Um, it doesn't mean that you fix it. I know from a women's ministry standpoint, I can't do that for everybody, um, but a lot of times I can make those connections. So it may be your role to go. Wow, I've had coffee with this woman a couple times, and her marriage just is not surrendered. Like it's it's there's a there's just a spot there that's that's holding her back. Um, but maybe somebody else has has had a similar history and can go, hey, would you call 
her and obviously get permission from either side but and maybe you can make I call them love connections um, maybe you can make a little connection there between the two people and then she can disciple her along the way um, in that area and then all of a sudden you start seeing the growth just just skyrocket um, because we can't cram this stuff down people's throat I don't know if y'all have tried um, I have and it doesn't work <laughs> I have tried, um, you know, pointing things out in a really blunt way. That doesn't work either, um, just to save you guys time. Uh, but we have to start developing these relationships. For me, when, um, when I feel like God's tugging on my heart with somebody, I start praying specifically for that person. I start praying for, um, for I start fasting for it. I start really asking God to show me. If I have no idea, then I ask him to start showing me. Put people across my path that he may want me to feed into or he may want me to get into another relationship. If, um, if he starts putting people across my path, which he will, uh, then I start, I start investing in those people. And it just means coffee or it might mean a phone call. Um, it might be people that I'm already in relationship with, but I really don't know them. Okay? Um, and there's a fair number of people. If you are in women's ministry or you are on staff, you know a lot of people. Um, but do you know no? A lot of people or do you just know what on Sunday morning um, the person that they present on Sunday morning uh, and you may know backstories I know for me I know a lot of backstories for people uh, but do I know where they are right now um, and I may not uh, I've made lots of mistakes in that area um, Bobby and I've had this conversation lots of times because we've both made that mistake where we we hear about somebody I know that there's one one woman comes to my mind and everybody kept coming up to me oh my gosh Michelle she is awesome. This person is awesome. She can do everything. She is this and this and this and this. She'll be able to teach. She will be able to reach out to people. She is going to lead groups. She's going to, and they were just really, really on fire. And I was like, well, let me get to know this person, right? So I got to know her. I was getting to know her. Um, we had some phone calls and we had coffees and things like that. And as I was, I'm starting to realize that, that she sounded great. Like, you know, you prayed with her and there was a lot of scripture coming out but she wasn't teachable and there were certain parts of her life that she wasn't willing to open up about and she wasn't willing to to shed any light in um, and she was just really rigid this is the only way to do it this is the way to do it this is the way to do it and what I realized was that's not what we're that's not that's not what we're looking for we're looking for somebody that's teachable um, now obviously if she was doing hundred percent right but I'm not doing hundred percent right so none of us are you know so we all have to be open to, to hearing from each other and to be able to learn from each other um, and if you've got somebody that that is rigid like that you're they're not going to be able to 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 help in the system because they're just going to be unteachable uh, and so keep your eyes out for those that are starting to bear fruit um, they'll bear fruit the people that are really ready to go, and I'm talking about the people going from kind of adult parent to disciple maker, um, young adult kind of up, um, they're starting to bear fruit. And you can start seeing the fruit. They're the ones that come to a lot of things, or maybe they, um, they're there, they're head of your volunteers, or they're, you know, they're different things like that, that you start noticing them. They're, um, they don't have to show up at everything, because we don't want somebody that's just showing up and showing up and showing up. But, but you'll start seeing relationships building. Like I can see them. I don't know if any of you all have to stand out in the lobby at the, at the beginning of church on Sunday mornings. Um, I do that, and i got a partner in crime in the back that do it. And you can start seeing this is the person that's starting to make connections. They're making relationships, and you're like, okay, I can see it. Or you start hearing the buzz from other people. You know? Or you have a Bible study leader that you really trust, and you, and you trust their, their, um, their impression of people, and they start going, you know what? I think we've got one here, you know? Those are the people to start investing in. Start having coffee with them. Um, it takes time, like I said, but, but start asking them questions and, and don't, and be bold. You know, be bold in your questions and, and they'll shut you down if they don't want to answer it, but, but talk to them and, and be open with what you're looking for. You're, you're looking for, for women to lead. You're looking for disciple makers and that's okay to ask them. Um, make sure you have your backup for why you want those and, and talk about the Great Commission and talk about, amp them up. Tell them, you know, you've got this. You can do this and I want to help you. Do you want to do this with me kind of thing? And then, and then start narrowing that pool down to who it is that you're going to start investing in and really be able to um, build that trust with. 
um, who can actually start uh, doing the work of making disciples um, and then making disciple makers uh, because you can't do it all yourself. Uh, and the people that in your church that are doing it can't do it all themselves. One of the things that we just recently um, instituted uh, is uh, a plan to be able to feed into the leaders that are already in place. Um, some of them are home group leaders. Uh, some of them are women ministry leaders, or they might be um, uh, wives of some of our pastors. They might be on staff, people like that. Well, I, something had been brewing in my head again. God sometimes kind of puts ideas in my head, but I can't flush them out yet. Well, then an elder's wife came to me and said, hey, so I really think we ought to be, we ought to be feeding into some of these leaders. And I was like, hmm, that's been flushing in my head too. And so when that happens, that means usually God's involved. And so, and... I try as much as I can, and we kind of do this as a philosophy in the church. If we don't have a leader for something, we don't start it um, because we can't lead everything. So, so all of a sudden I had an elder's wife that was willing to go, I'll lead it. I'm like, okay, you know, game on. Let's start figuring this. Well, I knew all the leaders. Um, and so what we did was we took myself and we took the, the elder's wives and we started looking at the leaders. And we started coming up with a list of, of all the leaders that we had and then she took it to the elder's wife and said, hey, who are you already in relationship with? Who can you start building more bridges with? And so we, we put those with them, the ones that they were already in relationship with. And then we kind of divvied out the others um, to the elder's wives. And, and those wives took it and ran. So they, they, we said, you know what, call them once a week, love on them, find out their kids' names and, and ask about them. Keep a little little list so that you can remember to ask specifically, hey, how was Johnny's leg that he hurt? You know, how, how, how's your marriage going? Like, are you, got, how, you know, start really feeding into them and pray for them. Pray for them on the phone every week, okay? And once a month, try to get together with them. Have coffee. Um, you might be able to do it if a couple of them know each other. You could do it together. But if not, just see if you can schedule a coffee. Now, it's hard to do with a lot of people. That, that, some of them are like, number one, going, no, I'm good. I, yeah, I got way too many relationships and I really, now they won't tell the elders' wives that, they just don't call back and they just don't, you know, answer the phone. Um, so that happens. Um, but what we're looking at in this, this big pool, because then what will happen is, is, is then I can go to the elders' wives and go, who wants it? Like, who's, who's coming up, who's, who's answering your phone call? Who's having coffee with you? Who is, who is wanting to be invested in? We want to make sure that, that our leaders know they're loved and that we are starting to model what it looks like to develop some deeper relationships, um, not just with their peers, but with somebody that's further along than they are. Because most people, and, and probably most of the people in this room, have not been discipled. And I get it, um, and, and I, fall into that, I fell into that category for a long time. Um, but when you allow yourself to be discipled, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and so we want them to actually see what that starts looking like. What does it look like to be in a relationship? Because many of them have not been in a relationship where somebody's feeding into them um, and they're not asking for anything back. Um, so we make sure the elders' wives don't, aren't going to you know, dump on these people. Not that they would, but you know, it, it's not a time for a reciprocal sharing. Okay, it's a time for them to be able to say, this is what's on my heart. This is what's hurting me today. This is, this is what I'm struggling with. Um, it's also a time for them to go, hey, what's God doing? Where do you see God, you know, working right now? And when people start developing and you can start seeing them moving along that track, that's so exciting, but it also tells us, okay, these are our next disciple makers. These are people that we can actually start really kind of investing in even a little bit more and push them a little bit more to go, yeah, let's become a disciple maker. You know, so it happened to me just, just two weeks ago, and I, I was, had my, have my people, and I love my peeps, and I, we were having coffee, and she said, hey, you know what? I really want to become a disciple maker. Can you walk with me, and can we look at some areas that, that I want to amp up um, so that I can feel like I'm ready to do this? Um, and I was like, yeah, of course, yay, but that has to happen on their terms. You can't push that. I couldn't go to the first meeting and go, hey, I think you're going to make a great disciple maker, so I'm going to disciple you, okay? And here's what you need to learn. And this is what needs to happen. And I, I would get pushed back all the way, you know? 
But when they're ready for it, and you're going to, and, and along the way, we give them glimpses of what it can look like. So as I was meeting with her, I'm going, yeah, I, I'm giving stories of, of, of things that are happening, of areas that, that, um, that she can probably be discipled in, you know, and, and people that, that are moving along and just the excitement of it. And that's when they start, when you start seeing people that are ready for it, they're their ears are perked up to it and they're going to go, Oh yeah, I'd like to do that. That is something I want to, I want to sink my teeth into. It may be though that you start meeting with them and you're like, Whoa, take a step back. This person is not ready. It's not going to be ready for a while. Um, and that's okay. Cause that's part of what you need to discern. Um, and that's something to pray about, to ask for God's wisdom and discernment in that area. Because if, if you spend a lot of time, um, with people that aren't ready for it, your time is going to be gone. Your time is of utmost value, okay? And I know that a lot of us want to feed into a lot of people or want to, you know, fix some people or we want to, uh, we see somebody that would be, oh my gosh, they'd be so awesome if only, you know, but you have to be really wise in who, in who you bring on board and who you choose to feed into um, because, because you have a finite amount of time in your day. Uh, I know that... Um, we'll, we'll get to a little bit more about kind of where I see, where I, where I see God putting me right now. But, um, but be thinking about those relationships. One of the things, I don't know, did, did any of y'all see the, um, the discipleship.org disciple maker, um, assessment? Did you, did, did y'all, any of y'all see that? Okay. Um, if you haven't, it's basically a quiz you can kind of take and it kind of just, helps show you kind of where you are in the disciple making kind of it's not meant to be negative at all and it's really hard because there's a score so you're kind of like well you know I don't want to admit that I'm a two or a three or whatever um but the cool thing about it is it it for me because I like to read into the questions so I'm like okay well if I answered it this way then I would be a five and if I answered it this way then it's a four so okay but what you know you want to do is be looking at those questions to go this is what I'm looking for. So what it did for me was it, I, Bobby and I kind of thought about it a little bit um, because I said, well, a lot of the questions are always. And I said that, you know, how can I go into the grocery store and be going, yeah, I'm thinking about discipleship the whole time I'm moving my cart around the thing. You know, that to me, that means always, you know. But then I mulled on a little bit more and I was like, yeah, that's actually what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be looking at everybody I'm encountering as a disciple, as a disciple making opportunity. Now, it may not mean that, you know, I'm, I'm spouting the gospel from the egg aisle, but what I am doing is I'm showing the people around me the hands and feet of Jesus as I go through that grocery store. And so that's my disciple making as I'm going. And so, and what it also did was that means on Sunday morning, as I'm looking around and scanning the room to make sure all the volunteers are in the right spots and all that kind of stuff, I'm looking for disciple makers and I'm deciding, okay, how, how can I disciple this person to the next step? How can I disciple this person? Who can I connect them with? Because a lot of times, like I said before, our role is connecting people together. And so it may not be to invest, invest uh, yourself you know, the, um, it takes a friend of a friend of a friend sometimes. And the coolest thing for me is when I've discipled somebody else and then I didn't even know that they were discipling somebody else and I hear my words like two people down and I'm like, yes, yes, because they're not my words. If they were able to travel that far, those are Jesus's words. <laughs> those aren't me, you know, because my words don't mean that much. Okay. It's, it's his words that have the weight um, and the clout to it. So, so it's all about um, relationships. Let me see if I can turn my page here. There we go. It's always good when you skip a couple. Okay. So um, I also, before we move on from relationships, I want to make sure you're not, um, don't put yourself in a box. Okay. I, for a long time, thought, okay, well, I should probably disciple people that are younger than I am um, and that are kind of in this, this, spot right here they're they're kind of if you look at the little sheet they're kind of in the child phase where they're excited about it and but it's new and it's this it's that or or the unbeliever and i'm going to bring them to christ and i'm going to baptize them and then i'm going to bring them all the way along okay um open up your box open up what god wants to do uh because 
I found that when I don't do that, I miss some beautiful opportunities to feed in some, some amazing women. Uh, so I have, uh, one of the women is, I think she's 67, that, um, I've forgotten what age she is, but somewhere up there. Um, and I was totally intimidated by her. She and this other woman that's about 10 years older than I am, totally intimidated by them because they knew the Bible front and back. And I was like, they're asking me to feed into them and they're going to start like, spouting off Bible verses to me and I'm going to have to look them up and then I'm going to have to do all this research to figure out what they mean and 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 I know I know my Bible but not like they do they like can you know spit out the different versions of it and know oh, I like this version or I like that version and why and and I was intimidated by the process and I almost said no because um, I, I was like you have been teaching Bible studies for the past 40 years and you want me to do what you know but what she said is you have something that I want you have a peace and a confidence in your Jesus as Lord that I don't have. She's like, I have all this stuff here, but I don't have it here yet. And so once she said that, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can do that. Um, that part I can do. And so we were able to start this wonderful relationship that didn't depend on all of the Bible knowledge. That's not what she needed. Um, she needed to know how to apply that in her heart and in her everyday life, um, how to apply it in her marriage, how to apply it mostly for one of them with her kids, you know, and that she wanted from me. And so I was like, it was a privilege. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And she was so open to hear it, you know, and, and had I walked away from that, I wouldn't have had the privilege of that relationship. And she tested me in lots of ways that, that I wasn't really ready for, but God had a plan in it and she stretched me. And so it was wonderful. And, and the one that, that was in her late 60s, she really had been, had been in the ministry for you know, 20 years and then got out of it. And she, again, asked me, and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, number one, you don't want to tell somebody no. But at the same time, you know, it's, there's an intimidation factor, you know. And, and she, um, she was beautiful to work with because she was open to hearing what it is that God wanted me to say, because it certainly wasn't relying on me either, because I didn't have the answers that I felt like that she, she needed all the time. And so she knew that it wasn't about me, and it wasn't about her. It was about what God wanted to do through us. And so those relationships have blessed me in ways that I can't even imagine. So the next letter on our acrostic is U, and that stands for unique and authentic, okay? Um, I'm going to touch on the story of Rahab. Uh, you all know the story in the room, so I'm not going to go into the details of the story. But what I want you to think about is her unique position in history. Okay? She was the harlot. All right? Nobody expected her to do amazing things for God. All right? Um, but look what she did. She's in the lineage. My goodness. Like, she was in a unique position to be able to fulfill what God needed her to do. She also had a backstory that could actually be used to end the story. And if she hadn't had that, that in, like let's use the nice word, the in where it was, she couldn't have had, hidden those spies. If she didn't have probably the hiding place that she had probably hidden other people, I'm guessing, um, and know what to do to be able to think fast on her feet, if she couldn't lie, because, I mean, she had to lie, and she was probably pretty practiced at it. And so I'm not saying that we need to lie, but I am saying that we all have um, a history. We all have um, things that, that we may or may not be happy with from our past, but God can use all of those things if we allow him to. And she allowed God to use those to be able to change, this, change history. And, and all she had to do was she had to, number one, had amazing courage, but also she had to be open to what God wanted to do and how he wanted to use her. So I want to encourage you guys to, to use that story, to think about it, and to figure out what God wants to use you. How does he want to use your story? How does he want to use your life? Um, I've taken over the past, I don't know, since I've been working at the church, we take, we've taken personality tests and we've taken spiritual gift assessments and all those kinds of things. And... Sometimes people will say, well, they box you up too much, or why do you need to know all that about you, all that kind of stuff. And I was one of those people. I, I was like, well, you know, I can, I can do it. If I, even if I'm gifted or not gifted, I'll just do it, you know. And what it gave me, though, is it gave me the courage to lean into the things that 
I'm wired for. God wired me this way. I didn't make this stuff up, right? So God wired me a certain way and he gifted me a certain way. And through those gifts, they can be amplified if I will lean into them instead of fighting them, okay? And if I will lean into them, then he can be used so much greater. And so some of the areas that, that I can, well, the other thing that he can do in it is the areas that are my sinful nature. I can also be prideful and stubborn and arrogant and all those kinds of things and self-righteous. And he helps me to recognize those so that I can also be on the lookout for them, okay? And so these are good things to know about yourself. Um, Figure out these things about yourself and figure out where you are so that you can figure out how you can best be used. So if if you are an introvert or an extrovert or if you are um, really good at speaking truth, or whatever it is, start figuring those things out. See what people tell you. Um, they will tell you around you what it is you're good at. Um, one of the things that, that I um, put my cards on the table, so if anybody asks me a question, I will probably tell you what I think about it. Um, that's not always appreciated, but that's kind of where I am. And so um, I've learned to tame it a little bit um, because it doesn't always, isn't always fruitful um, when I do it. But... It's very beneficial to our church and our ministry and our pastors because I can speak truth to them that some people aren't willing to say. Uh, And so use the gifts that you've been given. God's given them to you for a reason. And so lean into them. Lean into the past gifts you have. Like I said, I worked in medicine um, for about 12 years, and I worked in pediatric HIV. So we had a lot of kids uh, that were having children that were kids themselves. You know, they were 14, 15, inner city. I grew up in an upper middle class suburban, uh, suburban family, and I went into an urban, um, you know, university hospital, and all of a sudden I had 15-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds or whatever that were, you know, infected with this disease. They were having children, and I had to go see them. I'm a whopping 23 years old, and I walk out and my eyes are all wide and I'm sheet white and, and the social worker goes, what happened? What'd they tell you? And I'm like, this is what they told me. And I go, Whoa. you know, because I'm like, this is not in my frame of reference. I, ah, you know, I don't know what to do with it. But what I had to learn really fast um, was I can't react like that. I have to be able to keep that straight face. I don't have to shove it underneath the rug, but I have to keep a straight face so they don't feel shame, they don't feel embarrassment, they don't feel any of those things while I'm talking to them. And let me tell you, in ministry, I've used that so much more than I used it in in our medical practice. Because when I hear stories, I don't want somebody to shy away from telling me their story because I can't handle the story, okay? Um, And so I never thought that having that skill and learning that skill would actually pay off in ministry, but it did, it's paid off beautifully. And so use what you've been taught. You have skills from, maybe it's from a different career, maybe it's from parenthood, maybe it's from how you grew up. Use those skills, lean into them for your ministry because God will, will bless that and he'll, he'll use it. And you are unique. If somebody tries to put you in a box for what your ministry is going to look like or who you're going to feed into or whatever, break out of that box. Um, it doesn't look the same for everybody. My job does not look the same as if somebody else came in and tried to do my job. It is not going to be the same. Could somebody else do my job? Sure. But they're going to do it a different way, and that's okay. And so I think that we need to remember we are unique, um, and God's wired us a certain way, and you need to lean into that, and that's a good thing. Okay? And ask for people that are in relationship with you to help show you those things. You know, if, if... I ask somebody, hey, what am I good at? Like, and not in a prideful way, not in a, you know, just, what am I good at? Tell me. You know, they'll tell you. Um, ask, speak, ask for wise counsel um, for yourself. That's okay. It's okay to do, and you should do it. You should do it. You have a unique place to play in history, in God's story, and you want to use that. And um, the other thing about, for me, the unique part that I think God's wired me for is especially right now in my season of life, I have a, a daughter that went to college this year at Auburn and a son, yay, and a son that um, is a junior in high school. So he's driving. So my free time has actually opened up a fair amount. I'm not shuttling people everywhere, you know, and dinner is sometimes on the table and sometimes not so much. Um, but luckily he can drive to the store and get his own dinner should he need it. But, um, but 
what, as I was preparing for this and I was thinking about the uniqueness that God has for us, he really was showing me that where my niche is right now is like I said before, to get people from that young adult, that kind of adult, not ready to disciple yet, to really push them into that disciple making and, 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 you know, to grow in those areas and to be able to meet with people and, and go, okay, tell me what it is that you want to do in ministry. What's God showing you? What's he got on your heart? What makes you excited? And then to be able to use that to be able to amplify what I can teach them and then we can move on to there because God wants to use me in that way. And, and because I'm not starting from Bible basics, which there is a place for that and we need those people doing that. And if that's your gift, that's awesome. Um, but we also need people to mature um, our leaders because if we're not, then we're not going to get mature leaders. We have to intentionally mature um, our leaders of our church because they are not going to get it on their own necessarily. And you may have somebody that has, has been a believer for two years and they're ready to, they're emotionally mature and spiritually mature and you're just going to get them a little bit further. You may have somebody that's for 30 years um, and they're still not making disciples and you're kind of shaking your head going, come on, like, come on, get on board. But there's still something holding them back and maybe you're the person that's going to help them just to get to that next step. And that's a good thing. Um, and so don't diminish that because it can feel really cool to baptize people and that's all fun and it really is. The more of the people that I've actually baptized are people that have come and they've actually been mature Christians, but they were at some place that say didn't do immersion baptism or, or they wanted to, to you know, um, recommit their faith recommit their lives. Um, those are the ones that I realized as I was preparing this, I'm like, well, those are really the ones that, that, I've, that I've baptized. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it's not necessarily the new believers. And, and that's okay. Lean into that. Um, but make sure we also have people that are also reaching the, the lost because we obviously want to reach as many lost as we can. But if we don't have mature believers, we can't do that. So we've got to have it all the way across the spectrum. Um, all right, well, how do we make a difference over time? That's our S, and it's for steadfast. The definition of steadfast is uh, fixed in a direction, firm in purpose, and unwavering. So discipleship is a lifelong process. Sorry, guys. Um, you'll be doing this forever, and that's a good thing. And, so, and some people will be at the process for a very long time and may or may not get to disciple maker, but, um, but it's still a process and that's okay. Um, it's okay wherever you're entering the process, um, but it is a process. And so we need to stay steadfast. We need to continue to plug along. Um, we also need to listen to God and what he's asking us to do. Uh, there have been times where God has prompted me um, to do something and I have no idea why, but okay. You know, one of them was Christmas Eve a couple years ago. Uh, a woman was in the service and I was standing outside. It was, you know, second service or third service. I don't know which one, but they, she came out crying and went straight out the door and ran to her car. And the minister that I was talking to, we just kind of looked at each other. I'm like, I think I'm supposed to go after her. So I went running after her. Um, she's in her car. I'm knocking on the window. I'm, yeah, the one knocking on her window. Uh, and she rolls it down. Never met her before. She's hysterically crying. I just asked if I can pray with her. And she tells me a little bit of her story. We pray together. Um, I get her number. Um, and I just text her every now and then. Sometimes she'd reply. Sometimes she wouldn't. And we're talking now we're at a three-year period, right? So met, had, her co with, had coffee with her like once, heard her whole story. But I contacted her again. She never contacted me and, and just kind of, you know, every now and then I would just pray. And she'd go on the heart. I'd text her. And I'd usually never hear anything back. Well, just two weeks ago, actually. Um, a woman came up to me after a church event and she said, hi, so you don't know this, but I want to thank you. I'm like, great. I love to be thanked. Uh, she said, you ran after my daughter a couple years ago at Christmas Eve and prayed with her. She said, she's still not ready to come back to church, but I knew this was a safe place because that happened. So I started coming back. And I'm hoping that she'll start coming back soon. And so I had no idea that that was being planted, you know, and, and I'm grateful that God used me in that way. Um, probably nine times out of ten, maybe I ignore what he tells me to do, you know. I hope I don't, but, um, but I'm getting better at listening. Um, so maybe now I can be at, you know, five times out of ten. I'll go, I'll go do those, 
weird things where, you know, in the grocery store, I feel like I'm being led to tell somebody I hope they're having a great day or I hope that, you know, it gets better when there's the toddlers and they're running all over the place and you're like, it does get better. You know, if God prompts me to say that, then I need to do it. You know, and it's those little things that he's prompted me along the way that I never know who's going to catch that. And I never know who, where I'm being the hands and feet of Jesus that is then going to tell somebody else and then they're going to know that this is a safe place, that maybe I'm a safe person to be able to talk to. Maybe they're going to be able to, to stop by the church and, and get more information or whatever. Um, there was a great story that I read about um, Tupperware. I know, weird, right? Um, when, I was, when I was looking this up. So everybody knows what Tupperware is. It's pre-gladware, right? Um, and I was talking to, to actually one of our elders' wives earlier, and she said, she's like, I still have some. They, it lasts forever. You can't kill it, you know? And, um, but when they first brought it into the market, I think it was 1946, 1948, they almost went bankrupt. So they tried to do a storefront. And they, they did advertising. It was in Manhattan. It was wonderful. Um, nobody came in. Nobody bought it. So two years later, they were about to go bankrupt. And they decided to change their way of marketing. They decided, you know what? It's being used by housewives in the home. Let's sell it in the home. Hence Tupperware parties. Hence Rodan and Fields parties. Hence, you know, uh, premier jewelry parties and all those kinds of things, right? Pampered Shaft, all those things, right? But... They knew they had a product that was worth selling. They knew people would buy it. So they had to change their direction. Okay, so if you have something at your church that you're like, no, I know this is going to lead to discipleship. I feel like God is in this. I have prayed about this. I have fasted about this. This is, he's in it. Maybe you got to tweak your delivery system. Okay, that's okay to tweak it. All right, we've done it lots of times. Like there's, we started something this fall, a moms in prayer meeting. I was meeting during another time, and I thought, this is going to be great. It's going to be reach the elementary school age moms, and they're going to want to pray together, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we had a leader that was a trainer for, for other moms in prayer. I was like, I've got the leader in place. It's all good. Oh, we have one mom there. And I thought, okay, well, what is it that's not, that, that's not bringing them in? Um, number one, it's great for that one mom, and I'm grateful she was there. But what I started hearing God telling me was, you know, we have a lot of moms that have prodigals. Our church is full of a lot of moms that are mourning over their adult children that might want a moms in prayer prodigal group instead of, instead of a young children's group. Those moms are running around like chickens with their heads cut off when they've got their elementary school age kids because a lot of them are homeschooling or a lot of them are doing whatever and they, they just don't have the flexibility in their schedule to be able to do a, a group right now. But, but I was able to rattle off like 12 um, prodigals, prodigal moms, that they're there during that time when we're able to offer it. And you know what? In January, okay, my goal is discipleship. My goal is to get women in relationships. That didn't change. It's just the direction I needed to change and how I delivered it. So I'm being steadfast in what my goal is. So don't lose sight of what your goal is. Keep it. Keep your goal. Your goals are good. Um, look at them to make sure they are. But, but if they're about relationship and about discipleship, God's in it. But it may be the delivery system that needs to change. Um, and so I can be stubborn and go, nope, this is how we're going to do it. We are going to do it this way. And this is a, that's, not, that's not God speaking through me. That's me being stubborn and going, no, I put a lot of time and effort in how this is going to happen. And I want it to happen this way. Um, and so God may change it. Uh, and that's okay. You have to be open to that. Your budgets have to be open to that. Okay? Um, and that's really hard sometimes with leadership to go, yeah, we tried this for six months. It didn't work somehow. Um, we're going to try it this way. And I don't mean to do it with, to, to change things all the time without really seeking wise counsel and, and really looking into the wise. But be open to it. Be open to not keeping things the same because a lot of times we are not making headway if we're not willing to, to make some changes in our implementation. Think about Joseph and think about how steadfast he was. He had a goal to, to just do what God tells him to do. You know, I will, I will be God's servant. I will be who he wants me to be. Um, and all the changes that had to happen in his life and all the difficulties and all this, the, the tragedies and all the different things that God, situations that God put him in, um, but he stayed clear in what his focus was. His focus was to please God. His focus was to, to know who his, who his king was and that he would, 
he would just follow through what God wanted him to do. So, so keep that steadfastness. Um, let's see here. How do we not get burned out? Not sure if any of y'all are on that spectrum of burned out is over here and completely full is over here. If you're over here, um, you're not alone. <laughs> Lots of us have been there. Um, lots of us will get there. I might be there like in an hour. I don't know. But um, the way we do that is the T stands for tap into the vine. Don't forget yourself. Okay? You are important. You are needed. You are needed by your families. You are needed by your friends. You are needed by the church. You're needed by God, most importantly. Okay? He wants you first. He wants your entire heart he wants the ministry that you are doing to be the overflow of your heart, okay? He doesn't want it to be a checkbox. He wants to spend time with you, just you first. And then he wants to fill you up, and then he wants that overflow to go into your ministries, okay? And your families need you, all right? If you're married, your spouse needs you. If you have aging parents, those parents need you. That's a lot of people that need you, okay? Kids, you name it. Um, but first off, God needs you and he needs all of you and he wants your whole heart. He wants your mind. He wants to control your thoughts. Okay. Hand those things over to him. Um, tap into the vine. We all know the John verse, um, lean into that. I actually had to get a tattoo around my wrist to remind me to stay in the vine. Um, and my daughter turned 18, and we said we'd do it together, so that's the other reason why we had to get a tattoo. But, um, but stay there, okay? When you're feeling empty, go back to the vine, okay? Have people that are around you that will go, you know what? You, you need to spend some time with, with God, okay? When things are overwhelming, um, go back to the source, the source is where you're going to get your, your, be filled up, okay? Find those people. I have people in my back pocket that I know I can call who will fill me up and will remind me of my identity in Christ when I can't find it myself. Because there are days, and I know all of you are, are in ministry, that you can't figure out who you are in Christ because it becomes overwhelming. Um, that's not how he wants you to live. He wants you to live in peace. He wants you to live in courage. He wants you to live in hope. And if we're not tapped into that vine, we can't live that way. So I encourage you to stay there. Um, it means different things. It means different disciplines for different people. Um, for me, it, it means usually I fast about once a week because I get overwhelmed with the prayer requests and the things that, that I feel like are burdens to me. They're not meant for me to carry. Um, and for me, the best way for me to hand them over is to fast once a week. And I just like it's yours. And I step away. Um, that might not be what it is for you. Um, you know, keep those scriptures handy. I have people that if I'm like, I am overwhelmed with such and such, then they send me a scripture. And that's the one I'm going to lean into that day because I trust them that God sent them that scripture for me. Um, you know, I made sure that there were people that knew I was having this talk today and would pray for this talk. And so I'm getting, boom, texts going, I'm with you, I'm with you. Um, let God speak through you because... I don't want it to be about me, but if I'm not full, I can't give to others. And I want to be able to do that. That's my heart. Um, otherwise, I start getting cranky with my family. Um, and I start, it's not good what happens up here when I'm not tapped into the vine. So make sure you're tapped, in the, tapped into there. One of the other tools that, that um, I use and is confession. Um, I, I love the Matthew, let me find the verse, um, Ma James, sorry, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, I found a, a friend that actually, um, we had been in a discipling relationship, and, and she's a disciple maker now, and, and we're, we're really close. And, and I was like, you know what? I was talking to one of our other pastors, and he said, yeah, I've been meeting with a guy, and we just confess our sins weekly. And we just make sure we have a clean slate, and, and it's, it's increased my prayer life. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. What can, what can be the downside, right? So, so she and I meet weekly. We do it Wednesday afternoons on our way home from her teaching job. And we actually, I keep a list on my phone as I'm going throughout the week. And it's not meant to shame. It's not meant to, to push me down, to go, oh, wow, I did this again, you know. 
what it's meant to do is to bring to light the things that are not in step with Christ. So maybe I had way too much sugar, and I know that's a thing for me, um, and that sends me to a not-so-great place, and so I need to put that down. Um, maybe I was not the best mom I could have been in the situation, and I was not Christ-like to my child. Uh, maybe it was to my husband. Uh, maybe I became prideful uh, or self-righteous. Um, all those things have been on my list probably in the last two weeks. Uh, so, but what we do is one of us prays and opens up. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come in. We ask for the cleansing. We ask to, that God is honored in our words. And then we just literally run through our list. We don't intentionally, we do not give the story that backs up the, um, the sin because we don't want to justify it. And it's really easy for me to tell the story and then, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense why you were speeding. <laughs> yeah. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be justified. I was breaking the law. I shouldn't be speeding. Um, and so, so and, and we don't really comment on each other's. We just lay them out in front of God. And then we, um, and then the other one of us close. It takes about 15 minutes. And then she's on her way back home. And I, we do it in our prayer, in our, actually we do it in our nursing mother's room um, at our church because nobody really knows it's there. And so, uh, especially during the week and nobody's ever in there. And so, um, so it's our little closet, and we just go in there, and we sit down, we do it, and then she scoots back out um, of the day. And when I don't have it, I miss it. And I have found my prayer life just skyrocketing because I know I'm coming with a clean, with a clean heart. You know? Now, I intentionally didn't choose somebody that, that had way big sins that, were, that I would just feel really stupid sharing my little ones, um, and not that any are little or bigger, but, but it's... I chose somebody that I was in relationship with, that I knew I could be authentic with. I knew she wasn't going to shame me. I also knew I wasn't going to feel like I was being silly when I put that my thought patterns weren't right or I was really procrastinating this week. And hers was, I'm in an adulterous affair with, you know, <laughs> with my neighbor. Okay well, okay, well, yeah, I guess my TV watching is probably not that big of a deal if this is, you know, that's not, I, I didn't want, I, I intentionally chose somebody that we would be kind of in similar situations when it came to that. Um, but I would encourage you to find things like that that God lays on your heart that can draw you closer into the vine um, because that's where he wants us to be. I'm going to check my time. Okay. Um, all right. So just in closing, you all have everything you need to go and make disciples and become disciple makers. Okay. There's lots of resources out there and all that, but the biggest thing you need is your heart. And if you are here then you're interested in disciple-making. Um, you wouldn't be here if you weren't. Um, so start leaning into that. God will guide you. God will put people across your path. Um, go to people that you see are doing it um, and ask them, how are you doing it? Um, look at your population. Look who God has already in your life um, or in your church and see who he may want you to feed into. Um, but guard your heart and guard your time, okay, because it is valuable. And it is worthy of, of honor, truthfully, because if you are so stretched, you can't stay in the vine. You can't, you can't love others well. And remember, the way that we sell the best product that ever existed is through trust. People have to trust you. People have to know that you love them. Um, and those are the two best things you can do is, is to truly let them know that you love them. Um, and then they will be able to follow you and while, you follow, while you're following Christ. So thank you guys. I appreciate you letting me speak. And we have time. So if any, I don't know if you have. Oh, wait. Wait for it. Sure. It's frustrating. Did everybody hear the question? Okay. Um, she's in a relationship with somebody that asked her to, to feed into her and asked her to point out areas that um, were, were not, not following in her, the way that she needed to be doing in her life. Um, areas, sin areas or just areas of struggle. Uh, and so she asked her that three times. And so, um, so then she brought it up to what it was, the area that she saw. Um, and she really wasn't as receptive as maybe she thought she should be with um, making changes in her life. Um, been there, yes. Uh, a lot of people may ask for something, and then when it's presented, they're like, yeah, that's all right, I'm good. Um, one of the things I would suggest bringing it up in a separate, different way um, and also giving some steps saying, hey, you know, you asked me to bring this up to you and, and this is really what the Lord's showing me and, and giving some, some steps to be able to go in the, in the right direction. So um, as an example, I can say that, you know, I've, I've been walking with somebody who just has a bad attitude um, about a lot of things 
And I brought it up to her and said, you know, your bad attitude kind of stinks about a lot of things. I, I really feel like you need to start working on gratitude. Um, but she didn't know what that meant. Like I told her that she needed to work on gratitude, but she didn't know what that meant. And so what I needed to do the next time was send me a gratitude list. I want to know what God did in your day today at the end of every day. You send me two things that God did for you today um, that you recognize as being just for you. You can't say, oh, I'm healthy. Oh, my family's great. Those are great things. But I want to know, did, you know did God, what did God show you that just was meant for you today? Um, and once she could start doing some of that, then she started realizing the bad attitude. She's like, I couldn't find anything today. I'm like, you're telling me you are living in the hope of the living Jesus Christ and you have nothing to be grateful for today. Uh, there's an issue. And so then we could actually blow up the issue <laughs> to be able to go, okay, this isn't okay. Let's, let's start again with the gratitude. These are the things I'm looking for. Um, there have been people that... that um, I had a tremendously selfish woman. Um, like, it was all about her 100% of the time. And, and I told her that. Um, she wasn't that receptive to it, um, <laughs> shockingly enough. Um, but we were in a really long-term relationship, and she called me back later and apologized. But she, um, but what she needed, she, she needed to hear that, but she also needed to know what to do about it. Like, it wasn't enough because, because it was a blind spot for her especially, she didn't know what to do. So I said, Let's, tell me where you're going to volunteer your time. Go do something for somebody else that you will not get credit for. Like, I don't, I, give a fake name. I don't care what you have to do to not get credit for doing something, but I want you to go volunteer. I want you to go out of yourself. I want you to go text somebody else and ask them how you can pray for them and don't allow them to pray for you. Or whatever it is, you know what I mean? But I gave her tangible things to do. Can I tell you what the yeah. issue is? Yeah, I, if, if I was in a group with her, um, I would probably sit next to her and go, okay, during group, when I see this happening, I'm just going to put my hand on your leg. And that's going to be the, the sign that you've spoken your truth, but it needs to be done. You know, um, not in an embarrassing way or anything like that, but just to be, because she's probably, um, maybe she has heard God's voice to, to share something. But usually in those situations, they may have heard that voice to share it, and then they just go on and on and on and on until, and, and then they just, they turn it off. Yeah, they turn it off. Um, so thank you guys again for being here. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. The message you just heard was from Grace and Truth Living's track at the National Disciple Making Forum. Download their free PDF giveaway that has 42 printable scripture memory cards. It's at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. You'll find dozens of other great resources for discipleship at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.